Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We got a new show. The accumulation of six years of podcasting and messing with videos has finally resulted in the launch of Podcast Nick's first YouTube show, Past Access. Specifically, the first episode is called Drayston from the Ashes. Between February 13th and 15th, 1945, over 800 British and American bombers laid waste to the city of Dresden. The destruction from the Allied high-explosive bombs and incendiary devices was devastating to the city and her inhabitants, killing over 25,000 people and creating a deadly firestorm. This bombing left... Pete Coleman and I started podcasting together six years ago, and Pete has put his vast travel experience and love of history and culture to use and is sharing his travel stories and adventures with the world. The tagline is barrier-free travel, and as Pete travels the world in a wheelchair uh, many times with me in tow, I'm excited to finally announce Pete's accessible history show past access with tons of advice on what to see and even how to get there if you are traveling with any kind of mobility issues, which has obviously never slowed Pete down. Check out the Bohemian YouTube channel. Uh, the link is in the description, as is the link to my interview with Pete, where we go over his background, his experience traveling the world as a fencer, and now living in the Czech Republic. And oh my god, this new show is so much work. Please, please go check it out. Past access on YouTube. Please, please. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to it. Welcome to the History of Germany podcast. Since this podcast exists in English, German, and Arabic, we decided to, hey, let's make use of that. And we asked our German listeners, since they're there, if they have any crazy stories, little three to five minute snippet of uh, some legend, museum, famous person, uh, whatever it is, some little local trivia that I would love to hear um, to send that in, in English for you guys. And uh, this is one of the results. Hi there, my name is Sven. I'm obviously from Germany. Um, being more specific, I'm from the capital city of Germany, which you probably already knew is Berlin. So as being the capital city and the biggest city in Germany, it's full of stories. But um, today I want to talk about an, an even more specific unit of um, Berlin, which is the district of Köpenick. Um, I'm living in Köpenick for more than six years now, and it's the greenest district of Berlin, mainly due to a lot of forests, a lot of trees, and a lot of plants. Um, it's in the southeast, so in this district of Köpenick, um, there is probably the most renowned story, which is known throughout Berlin and also throughout Germany as a whole, um, which is the Haupt man von Köpenick, which basically translates to the captain of Köpenick. It's the story about um, the Wilhelm Vogt, who was a shoemaker, and in 1906, disguised as a Prussian military officer, gathered some Prussian soldiers around him 
and then went to a city hall in Copenhagen, uh, arrested a few people and quote-unquote confiscated more than 4,000 marks from a municipal treasury. He afterwards served two years in prison um, but became a folk hero on, on the run and so he was pardoned by Kaiser Wilhelm II. And uh, the whole story is basically known um, throughout Germany, mostly, I think, due to a theater play about the whole thing from Karl Zuckmeier. So this story, even being more than 100 years old, it's still very present. Sometimes you see actors on the street, mostly due to theater plays um, that are still present about the story or just making street performances to uh, get a little bug. There are a few statues throughout the district, one in front of the city hall, also in malls and on the street. And sometimes you see like pictures or symbols of Prussian officers saying goodbye, see you again in Kubinik or something. And also the whole catering trade obviously made like something of a tourist attraction by just naming their bars or restaurants, something like uh, the Hauptmann von Köpenick or Bar of the Captain or something like that. And uh, which is, makes it somewhat present for me. And as I mentioned, there's a statue in front of uh, the very city town hall of Köpenick. And also um, there is like one room, one or two rooms, which is somewhat kind of a museum about the whole thing. And my wife and I, almost on the day, five years ago, married in this very city hall. And yeah, we're still married, still happy. Yeah, that's the whole story I wanted to tell you today. And thanks for listening. If you had a little case of deja vu there, or if some of that sounded familiar, that was our 50th episode, was on the Hauptmann von Köpenick. And that's not a coincidence. He sent that in right after. It was like, hey, you're, you're talking about my hometown. And in fact, that is a very famous story, hence the statue and, and all that. But I learned about it in school and was riveted because I, and I saw a movie um, that was done by East Germans because I, it was East Berlin. I don't know. But in any case, <laughs> um, the communists were making fun of that Prussian authority and uh, that, that blind following order kind of thing even though communists were. Anyways, so uh, that is awesome to go from our, our 50th episode and me just liking spiky helmets to um, one of our listeners writing in saying like, I got married in that very building that you're talking about. Um, awesome. That was just, that's like really, really, that's, <laughs> I mean, we were hoping we'd get cool stories, but that's just amazing. So thank you very much, Sven. And um, we have a couple more. Um, also, a, a podcaster or two wrote in, so hopefully we'll be able to share those in the next couple episodes. Anyways, let's get to it. Okay, oh, uh, in English. Was weiß ich? Do you, do you even remember how this works? <laughs> what we say? It's a, it's been a long time. What what show is this? I don't remember. I'm not. Oh, it's history of Germany, I think. Maybe I think so. That sounds right. Yes, it it yes. could be. It could be. It 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 could be. Okay. Could it possibly be that we were in the Middle Ages the last time? Sounds right. Sounds Sound, right. Sounds okay. Right. Yeah. I th uh, think we talked you about mean, this. You mean we recorded last time in the Middle Ages? 
Like the last yes. time we, we recorded, we were in the 12th century because we haven't <laughs> recorded in 800 years. Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, that it's, sounds... uh, it's pretty feels like this. Yes. That sounds... oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we were stuck between the Salian emperors and Lothar III, I think. Mm -hmm. We talked about castles, about Hildegard, about the Supplenburgers, and the idea of medieval life. Yeah. And now, something new is to come, right? Something that we've probably been talking about since 2016, which is <laughs> the mini miniseries on the Staufa. Um, yeah. And, and in fact, we're also in the time of the Crusader kings, like the Crusades and... Uh, also, German kaisers, emperors, getting the idea to go off and fight in in the you know Middle East and Jerusalem. Um, that's so that's exciting, and uh, so this is around the year eleven hundred, high Middle Ages. Yes, um, I wrote down some things that happened in this period, just because it's been a while. People might not remember what's going on, um, but if you if you kind of keep track of. French history or British history in the in the High Middle Ages in the year 1100. This is like the time. First of all, it's the time of the the first Crusade was launched just four years prior. So there's this religious fervor everywhere across Europe. Um, Philip the First of France is excommunicated in the in that year. Um, so Jerusalem was just conquered and uh, just a couple of years previously. And so you know this is. It's like this crazy time in, in Europe where maybe it's the end of times. Maybe they're fulfilling biblical prophecy. It's just, just keep that in mind that this is really, uh, <laughs> this is just a, a really exciting time. And even the lives of peasants, the news would have been exciting at this time. And, oh, yes. Yeah. I, I like just interesting times for everyone. And um, slowly, uh, the lifetime of today's subject, this is Conrad III, the first of the Stauffer kings. Um, we also see, like, if you were just to look around you, maybe maybe in France first, but you would see the the Romanesque, this um, Roman-like architecture that they emulated. This We talked about it in the Saxon um, kings liked to look at Franks, of course, uh, like to look back at Roman times and build Roman archer, arches and Roman vaults. And now we see this new thing called Gothic uh, architecture, especially in France, big like heavenly bound gothic architecture and these huge cathedrals um in a new way of you know it's a symbol also but you would start to see this brand new thing it's this like pretty amazing yeah yes. skyscrapers in in 11th century <laughs> it's like you know for a peasant it's just like wow that's such a symbol of authority and the church and and kings funding them and everything mm -hmm. um Okay. If you're not pretty sure uh, what the difference between a Romanic and uh, Gothic architecture is, um, Romanic arcs are um, basically round. Yes. And um, the Gothic style is more edgy. And people know, because like if you think of a cathedral, you're thinking of like Notre Dame or the Cologne, yes. uh, the, the Cologne of uh, Cathedral, the Dome. Um, those are all very 
gothic, like very high point, St. Vitus in Prague, the, the main cathedral in Prague. And it's pointed arches with very long, very, uh, you know, shooting towards the heavens, the Saturn V, these rockets. Ringsburg as well, yes. Yes, mm -hmm. the cathedral in Ringsburg. Yeah. Um, so it is what people think of. And those are the, like, like the oldest, you know, most of the surviving cathedrals in, in Europe is like, that's, this is when it starts. This is not, this yes. is not all 12th century, but this is when it starts. Um, Romanic is a, it's a simple and clear architectural style mm -hmm. and Romanic is with a lot of figurines and yeah. stuff, embellishments and uh, yeah. I so. do, yeah, I do like the even because of the art, the uh, art, like the paintings and everything changed with the yes. architecture and music changed. Like yeah, it's. Um, anyways, like so that's where we are. This is the in fact the the we're in the exact year is kind of 1116 to 1120 is when Conrad was Duke of Franconia. It's not pretty sure he was born in uh, 1093 or 94. Okay, right at the end of the century. Okay. Yes. Okay, so he was like maybe a, a young teenager or maybe 20 years old um, when he became Duke of Franconia. L Lothar the third Lothar was the yes. Supplenburger, is that right? Yes. Okay. So the, in the, in the only king who was neither uh, a Salier yeah. nor Stauffer. And I'm I'm like I'm trying so hard to because it's been like a year since we recorded that episode, but um, and we've recorded so many episodes since then. But if we remember from the Supplenburger dynasty, um, it was a really weird time because. He was a great politician. He rose to the top. He fought his way. But there was a lot of uh, opposition. There was um, yes. the Staufa was, you know, one of them. One reason that Lothar was chosen was, and we said this many, many times in that episode, was because he was like the neutral. He was not a Zalier and he was not a Staufer. Um, uh, yes. But in, in, in fact, but, yeah, the was, brother of Conrad, Frederick, yeah. uh, should have become king. And he was related to the Zalia also? Uh, no, he wasn't. He related, uh, but uh, it was uh, what the last Zalia said. Hey, uh, look at this. Uh, this guy uh, should be uh, become king. And so ah, he, he was went the along and said, yes. <laughs> I'll okay. be king. And yeah. the others said, thank you. Yes, because remember children <laughs> henry <laughs> the last salian was hated yes so yeah so so he was he chose uh F frederick staufa of the staufa yes. oh let's say yeah so first of all this is the worst episode ever because we're like oh well, how would how did that end no but um <laughs> but we should we should define staufa because um they did not call themselves Stauffer. It wasn't like his name was his name was not Frederick von 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 den Stauffer or Frederick Stauffen or anything like that. Um, his name was just Frederick, and he was he had some other title, you know, like von von Franken or whatever it was. And they didn't use the term Stauffer to talk about this family and this dynasty until centuries later, uh, yes, like the late late 1400s the late 15th yes. century so just so we know and then also i think we mentioned this before in our in our castle episode because uh so they're Pretty named sure, after yes yeah mm -hmm. the the hohenstaufen castle which mm -hmm. is kind of close to your neck of the woods right yes and what is it today is it 
Just a, just a hill with some stones on it. Okay, still, but, but still some see. ruins. Still some yes. ruins. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I, 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 I looked it up on Google Maps, and it says um, ruins of 13th century castle or something, Hornstaufen, yep. something, something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That, so, they applied yeah, the, the castle right. to, the, to the family, the last name. They yeah. didn't call themselves Stauffer. Yeah. Conrad uh, III, uh, when he wrote something, he referred uh, to his Salian heritage because mm-hmm. um, his mother was Salian. Yeah, if you're trying to be king, then it's good to say, oh, I'm related to the last dynasty. So Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, yeah, not much is known about uh, the family itself, the Stauffer, but Conrad's grandfather, Frederick, uh, Frederick von Buren, um, yes. he lived sometimes around 1050. And 1050, he married um, a wife, uh, his wife yeah. named Hildegard. That, yes. That's so. the record, right? Like. There's mar- there's like it's like we have a, we have a marriage certificate and that's yes. like kind of all we know, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, Not pretty much where they came from. Yeah. So well, of course, yeah. There's been theories. Like obviously, historians look at at the family and go, okay, well, he was landholding. So uh, and then and then uh, Conrad became nobility. So when did they become nobility? Um, when did that start? That's kind of murky. But they were landholding. That's probably the main thing. Um, if you're building yes. a castle, that means you you have some rights to do so. So either Friedrich, the grandfather, already had the land, this uh, Schlettstetter possession, it's called, Mm -hmm. um, or this was a dowry that he got in the marriage with Hildegard. And there's people with both theories, I think. Um, Yeah, they're not pretty sure about it. Yeah, Um, Both uh, things are possible. But um, something can be seen here. What is important to Conrad's thing as well they were very good at marrying stuff and <laughs> yeah. they were good at marrying I, I, stuff that's well, well put yes no exactly no I'm not exact- pretty sure how to how to no 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 my, my, you say it as like they they knew how to marry well Seriously, that's yes, how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, it's just you said it funny. Like you said it great. They knew how to marry stuff. That's true. They knew how to marry either women or men with a lot of possessions, and there was a lot of dowry. Or yeah, like yeah. that was a that like today's politics and lobbyists were like, how good, how good of a man could you find your daughter, or how good of a uh, woman could you find your son? You know, seriously, yes. yeah. You you just said it in a fantastic way. <laughs> they were good at marrying stuff. Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, yeah. And this was the way uh, Conrad, um, yeah, hired his power. Mm-hmm. And... Because what? Yeah, well, so, yeah, one thing is like, okay, you marry all the Saxons. You know, you, you marry your daughter to a Saxon or you're, you, you marry find a your Saxon. daughter to a Saxon. You yep. marry the find a Saxon sister wife. of your yep. wife to the emperor of Byzans. So you have like uh, imperial people in your family. Yes, um, and 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 so on. And the other the other side is if you're we talked about this in Hildegard of Bingen, who was the last of ten or so or seven or ten yeah. children, and she was a nun because the other thing that noble and only noble men and noble women could do, not peasants, was become a nun or a monk in the monastery at this time. Um, yeah. and 
So that's another way is if you have many children, you say, okay, well, my, my eldest will become king of Germany or get or Duke of uh, Franken, uh, Franconia, or and my second son will become a monk, which gets you bonus points for the church, which if you're listeners to the History of Germany podcast, you like that's what the last 20 episodes are all about this, yes. you know, church versus uh, king's power and all that. And, and the uh, Stauffer were also very good there. They they did uh, like tend these like spiritual uh, relationships with the the bishops and the you know the, the yes. monasteries around. Just uh, in today's time, good good politicians. Of They're, course, yeah, yes, like the, like the Kennedys of the Middle Ages. <laughs> they, the oh, Kennedys knew how to they knew how to marry stuff. The Ken- of course, they the, did. They did. Yeah. did. So, um, I'm not pretty sure if the Stauffers were that good looking like uh, the Kennedy family. But... True. Yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, those portraits, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, but yeah, anyways, there was clearly, there was also this political drive, like this typical nobleman, you know, trying to uh, be diplomatic with marriages and uh, yes. getting getting more land. Um, getting closer to the emperor, so. But uh, at first, there was not really much um, with being kings, or um, as I said before, his uh, br- uh, brother Frederick was meant uh, to become king, uh, but um, he wasn't voted. But Lothar was, so there was trouble between um, the Stauffer brothers. Yeah. And Lothar. I want to um, say the one... whole time. Yeah, one thing that might clarify this, because I don't think we've done it yet, is I, I've always wanted to do an episode on the electorate, like the way, because we, okay. when you say they voted for, or they didn't vote for Friedrich, it's like, wait, what? Because um, remember, in the Holy Roman Emperor, you had, it's weird if you're studying French history or English history, like British history, um, there was the electorate of bishops and noblemen, like the Duke of Bavaria, the Duke of Saxony, and, and so forth, that would vote and elect the next king. And Frederick was assumed he would be it, and he wasn't. Huh. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, so that's, that's. It, it's weird to, I just want to mention that, yeah, they, like, that's what happened. It was just like, it could be, it, you just didn't win the uh, the election um, of those, whatever, 12 or 14 or 10 or uh, 8. I don't know, however many electorates there were in 11, 1100. It's changed along I know. Times, yeah. yeah. Later, there was more, basically. Yes. But, um, so, anyways, um, they didn't. They didn't back Fred, Frederick. They okay. voted for Lothar. Yeah. So that and was. And then yeah. the, the trouble started. The time um, of the election, Conrad wasn't in Germany, so he wasn't a uh, part of this uh, this thing because he was in Jerusalem for pilgrimage, mm-hmm. and he returned a year or two. After the election, when um, Lothar was was king, was this? Do you think this was also a political move to go? So it was a very, hmm, you, you know what I mean. Like uh, if you went to, if you went on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, that meant a lot. Y- yes, you would come back and say, "Hey, I, you know, it's like I went on my raj to Mecca, but the Christian version," um, because this was only. 10 years or so or whatever after Jerusalem was conquered by the Latin Christians. Um, 
So do you think this was also a political move or do you think he was just religious? Maybe, maybe something of both. I read uh, something happened uh, that impressed him that much that he did this pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, but but is that course, propaganda or yeah? Okay. okay not not yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. But of course, um, one can say it meant a lot that you were in yes. Jerusalem's. Um, the others say, wow, this guy was uh, here in Jerusalem and back by foot or horse. It was very dangerous. And mm -hmm. yes, it was pretty uh, a thing, you can say, yeah. to do this journey. Yeah, in this case, just bad timing. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's like, okay, wow, that's because yeah. it's it, it, it. Yes, it is dangerous. It is a long journey. It is a, um, in fact, I don't want to. I'm foreshadowing a little bit because <laughs> he goes mm -hmm. back and it and it, it doesn't end well, um, and and so I was wondering. It's like, so here's the story of like, oh, he zipped off to Jerusalem and came back three years later. First of all, that's a long time. Yeah, and second, if you know how. Conrad's story ends you're like yeah that was actually that's not nothing so um, but yeah he comes back and there's a new king so he came back Frederick was of course uh, really pissed off that he won king but then Conrad was elected anti-king in Nuremberg at 1127 because the imperial cities, uh, Swabia and the Duchy of Austria, weren't that happy with uh, Lotter. We talked about that he some um, meant he was a weak emperor, and so they wanted uh, someone else in place. But this didn't work very well. Right. So so he's named anti-king, I guess. Uh, the, the thing is, there was this whole oath about... Um, whether the, the last emperor would step in, he kind of, yeah, there were oaths taken by the noblemen and everything, you know, to one king or the other, depending on what side they were, they were on. And Conrad, the first thing he did, is he, I think he definitely would have lost a direct confrontation with Lothar. I don't, I'm on thin ice there. I don't want to get a thousand emails that saying I'm wrong, but, um, what he did do was instantly retreated, mm, retreated. He made a political, um, uh, retreat to Italy, where the next year the Archbishop of Milan crowned him King of Italy. So it's a retreat. So again, I'm sure the chroniclers that liked Conrad would say um, this was a smart move because now he, he's King of Italy, which is kind of one of the predecessors or one of the prerequisites to being seen as King of Germany, maybe. Emperor of the Holy, Holy Roman yeah. uh, Empire. Yep. And, yes. you know, yeah. And that's and then the next step is going to Rome and, you know, emperor being emperor. But but also the people that didn't like him would just see him as an anti-king and like, oh, he, you know, he ran away from Lothar and went to Italy. Um, and he was excommunicated. Yes. And he was also, yeah. so one archbishop <laughs> names him King of Italy and a couple other archbishops, the ones of like Magdeburg, Mainz and Salzburg, excommunicate him. Yes. So he, he stays he was for a in while Italy. in Italy. You, yeah. Talk, uh, yeah. you talked about the retreat, but um, there was nothing about lying on the beach and drinking cocktails. He was almost, it's more like being homeless. Um, yeah. I know he, he, he ended up in Parma. But uh, the like the the historians at the time even write that 
like basically he lingered so poorly um he didn't have a big enough retinue like your people that's that that you know provide security and even pay for the food and everything along the journey that he barely could even go from place to place he was basically stuck in parma because he was too poor to leave yeah it took him like four years to figure out what to do and he didn't he didn't return until 1132 that's so this is maybe the the low point uh you know he's considered an anti-king um he's not even in germany that that kind of thing but he returned uh, to germany in 1132 but yeah there was uh, was still trouble because of his uh anti-king thing and lotter haven't forgotten about this lotter fought against conrad and his brother frederick and was able to conquer the two staffers in Ulm. So it those, the end we talked about those the in the Zuppelnburger yeah. episode for sure. I, re- I remember this. Yeah. yeah. In that episode, we were just like, oh, this is the first thing Lothar had to overcome is, well, there's these two Staufa. And, and remember, like, Lothar was kind of older when he was elected. We also said in that episode, he was kind of like a Bernie Sanders or a Pope Ratzinger, where he was already mm. like 80 years old, kind of. He wasn't. He was like 70 or something. Um, and so we'll elect him because he was kind of a neutral thing. So... Yeah, these are so the Stauffer are very young, but they think they should be king. And in, in any case, here first they they get defeated, um, like yes. like bad. Like th- there's self humiliation. They they have to. Um, it's almost like Game of Thrones where they walk through naked. They don't walk through naked, but they do walk through barefoot and have to like be. Yeah, penit- it's like you know, this this Kanotha thing. Yeah, exactly. We we talked like, about. Yep. Yeah. Barefoot and like are sh- pub- publicly shamed. Yeah. Yes. But. It it was a shame, mm-hmm. but the conflict between the Stauffers and Lotter was solved with this thing. Yep. And it was uh, the chance for Conrad to start his career new. I think Frederick avoided uh, the royal court after the thing. But Conrad uh, undertook to participate in August 1136 to Lotter's announced it train to Italy. There was and a, um, was- yeah, there was some, some uprising in Italy. I'm trying to remember from the Zuppelnburger episode, but yeah, um, Lotter had to go to Italy to, you know, quell some uprising and then come back. Yes. I think probably more than once, just <laughs> based on all the other <laughs> Kaisers. But yeah, this was a nice diplomatic move to, like, yeah. you know, I, I, I can go to war. I can, you know, I can fight. I can defend the country. Uh, I'm loyal to the emperor now, even though he fought him before. Now, he was down in Italy before. So I think, but I think it was this kind of, I keep wanting to say crusade against it. It wasn't a crusade, but it was a war campaign. In yes. German, it's Zug, and I translated it as train. That's not good either. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a war train uh, before there was war trains. Um, but but that, yeah, so that, that was a big, um, for his reputation, that helped him a lot, definitely. Yes. It was, what, uh, so 11, okay, so this was 1130, it was right around then he got married. 1136 uh, went to, yeah, like the same year, basically. He married uh, Gertrud F- uh, von Sulzbach. He got uh, two sons, Henry IV and Frederick, and I think dun, this. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 Wait, yeah. that is Barbarossa. Is that Barbarossa? Yeah. Is that I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is Frederick Barbarossa. Yes. Oh, scream! What? Okay, sorry. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. This it's will... all good. 
It's going to be fine. It's going to be a really interesting episode, I think. I'm pretty longing forward to it. So through this two will... sisters. So one sister married the Byzantinian emperor and the other one yes. married Conrad, which is like, hey, yep. yep. Interesting. Okay. That explains it. That's the, that explains the move. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Marry the emperor's sister. Marry the emperor's sister-in-law. Uh, what? Yeah. And marry the emperor's sister-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. He married. He went to Italy. And finally, he become real king. Like now he was elected. Yeah. The Roman German. Yeah. Yep. Not anti-king. Not excommunicated. Real king. Yeah, that's right. He dies in 1937, and then, yep, okay. Yeah. And now this is all new. So this this is all just new history. Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> yeah, so this is first, there's um, Heinrich der Stolze, Henry the Proud. Um, that was the son-in-law of Lothar III, who I guess wanted to continue the Zuplenberg dynasty. But I'm pretty sure. Yeah, spoiler alert, we already said Zuplenberger is a one-man dynasty, so... Um, but yeah, that was that was Conrad's first challenge was uh, Lothar's son-in-law. Oh yeah, okay. So it was. You remember we keep mentioning the um, was it the the symbols the Reichskleinodion? Kleinodion, yes. So that was passed on to Lothar's son-in-law, which is not nothing. That symbol is not empty. If you have the scepter and the imperial orb or, or crown, it's like the, having the crown jewels basically. Um, that is a very strong symbol in your favor one of them is being crowned but the other one is you know hey i got the scepter and orb and called the proud i wonder was that a compliment (laughs) or was he kind of an arrogant ass i don't know but yeah anyways they obviously we know he he selected lothar uh he's like the conrad so yes um and conrad um demanded from henry um his two duchies uh bavaria and saxony and of course, Henry said, no, not at all. And so they were taken from him. It was an election as well in Würzburg. So yeah. he was uh, deprived of both duchies, which Conrad uh, gave to a Babenberger, I think, to, and uh, to Albrecht de Beer, because um, to yeah get closer to get them closer to to him and his uh, power to not have uh, conflicts on this side. But of course, if someone would take away your property, you wouldn't say, okay. Yeah. this uh, It led to a clear uh, military conflict. I was trying to uh, look up really quick if Babenberger kept it. Because I know, because Babenberger is a... Uh, famous like noble family from austria so that's why they're they're definitely a term um for centuries to come there'll be a strong political kind of entity but this time around yeah so there's some there's some battles over who's actually going to keep uh bavaria and all that stuff and and saxony yes and from here on it gets really complicated there were battles fought Someone died, and the mother so, of the two young sons. It gets um, it gets really messy. Yeah, because yes. they bring in outside help, namely, and I think we actually this is the problem is this was years ago. Um, Pete and I did an episode on the on the um, Pre- 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 
family. I forget how they're called in English, but the the, the first like Bohemian, uh, the Czech, the first Czech dynasty. And this is the time when there was always a Czech dynasty that was pro-German and there was an anti-king or so that was anti-German and some like went to the Saxon kings and were saying you know I'll go to the Holy Roman Empire if I can remain king of Bohemia and all that that kind Mm -hmm. of history Um, and they're involved here too so it gets really messy and in Conrad's lifetime I know he also plays a role in Polish politics because the other, the anti-king in Czech Republic happens to be Polish or related to the Polish crown. So there's there's actually a triangle of a mess on top of this inter, you know, German civil war that they they fight at the, there's a battle in Kreuzburg is in in Thuringen, like Thuringia. Um, So just so, just so you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's an onion of chaos. And we're trying to simplify it here, okay? So, um, but but yeah, so we have Saxony, Bavaria, but we also have like troops from from the Czech Republic, uh, from Bohemia, yes. and everything. So yeah, I think um, one can make it uh, short. In 1142, Henry the Lion was recognized by Conrad as Duke of Saxony. Henry the Lion is the son of Henry the Proud. Think, and Henry the yeah. Proud just like dropped dead uh, the same year. Yeah. Uh, why? I don't know. But yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's Henry yeah. the Lion. Who will be its own probably even uh, heirlooms episode because Henry yes. the Lion, you can't if you go, if you're a tourist in Munich, you can't get away from <laughs> Heinrich der Löwe like this and that and, and him as a symbol. But uh, the conflict wasn't ended with this. It remained, I think, unsolved during Conrad's reign. There is a very famous legend. You know this one. Do you know the legend, the um, the siege of Weinsberg? I don't know yes. if you know it by the title. Yep. As soon as I say it, half the even in America, like half the English speaking audience will be like, "Oh yeah, really? it's that." Yep. It's... Um, is it true? Do you, first of all, I want to know. Do you think it's a true story? Uh, I can imagine that. Yeah, yes, like I, one of. I always heard this with a grain of salt, or I, you know, I was, I was always skeptical a little bit. But there's a very famous story, which as soon as I say it, most people probably know, that um, Henry the Lion's brother, Welf, Welf the 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 sixth, um, was besieged in the in Castle Weinsberg, which is near Heilbronn, and they they gave up basically. I think it was even Conrad himself uh, that said, "Okay, all the women can leave, with everything that they can carry on their back." But the men are going to be held accountable for uh, the, re- the revolt or whatever, or for, you know, going against yes. the king. And uh, most of them would probably be put to death or, you know, punished in some way. And so what did the women do? God bless their hearts. <laughs> they strapped the men on their backs and carried their husbands out. And, uh, you know, so and and uh, if you happen to have a pretty big guy and a pretty small woman, then one of the bigger women would, you know, puck that guy and pack up that guy and sling him over her shoulder and get him out. So that's the legend. And it's a very, very famous one. This is the yes. battle in 19 in uh, December of 1140 in um, Weinsberg near Heilbronn. I, I've, I've known of that I story like since. Story. I, yeah, I, I've known I've known sure of that since I was a kid. But I. Yeah. I love yeah. famous famous legends. If it was my ghost tour, it would definitely be on there. So, um, yeah. <laughs> this was in 1142. The times got a little rougher in Europe. 
there was a time for the Second Crusade, four years later. Yeah, so Conrad, I think also, yeah, Conrad had not gotten crowned emperor yet. So because of difficulties, you have to go to Rome to do that. And there was all this stuff happening and crusades happening. Yes, 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 um, yes. Mm. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, if you think about it, he's, he's now an ally of the Byzantine Empire. So it's not like he's a side figure of the Second Crusade. This is this is the same Emperor Manuel who was like I'm a big fan of the history of the Crusades with Sharon Esau and and um, this is that thing where they're traveling through what is today Turkey and um, the Byzantine Emperor wants everybody to go by sea like through Venice on ships straight to Jerusalem and nobody does that everybody goes everybody goes through Constantinople kind yeah. of a, a problem because he um, Conrad stood there said damned I had to go to, on this uh, crusade to do something for Christianity and show that I would be um, the greatest emperor of the Holy Roman Empire save Jerusalem from the Muslims and so on I have to go to Rome to get crowned and on the other hand I had to, uh, have to go through Byzantine, and but I won't mess up with my brother-in-law. It's a little complicated, uh, but then he made a decision, and the decision said, "Okay, go to and uh, free Jerusalem." Part of the decision was because he was not crowned in Rome. Yes. He called himself emperor already, you know. Yes. Um, especially because he wanted to be equal with the <laughs> Byzantinian emperor, you know. Even yeah. I'm also a Kaiser, just like you. Yeah. Um, instead, yeah, definitely, like we mentioned earlier, you know, a crusade is also, you know, a way to get honor and prestige and all that. So Yes. So oh, he yeah. settled off with 20,000 men. And do you know where he started? Wait a right minute. here in Regensburg. Ah, okay. There you go. Is that a famous fact in Regensburg that that's where mm. he launched it from? Yes. Interesting. Um, people say from the stone bridge. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a famous fact in Munich that when when uh, the king uh, when when ah, the son of the king of Bavaria Otto went to become king of um, Greece in, in the 1800s, then he marched off from Otto Brunn because his name was, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I bet that's a, that's a touristy thing. Like, yeah, this is where <laughs> Conrad started the crusade. Yeah. Anyways. I just know Otto Brunn because there's an Ikea. <laughs> that's yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. I guess so, there's, a, there's a well there too. Cause Brunnen is well. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Now he did make preparations. I should say he he was going to name his king because he knew it was dangerous. So before he went, he yeah. named his king Henry, uh, the would be the next elected German king. But Henry died in 1150 as a 13-year-old, which leaves his other son, <gasps> Friedrich. Now, he was only <laughs> six years old in 1152, okay? Um but yeah, so he he knew like he wanted, yes. you know, his kids, one of his kids to be the, the next heir. But he first named him Frederick II of Swabia or was that a different think, Frederick? Because um, everybody's named Frederick. So yeah, it's um, really. 
Yeah, either that or or he would be the next one. And they, like he did something to set him up as the next king. 1147. Yes. So this is still, yeah, Henry's still alive in 1147 when they left. Uh, yeah, the son was, uh, I think, 10, 10 years old. And the, and so Frederick was only six something or somewhere right around there. He's only six. But yeah, um, anyways, and yeah. the Archbishop of Mainz, also a Henry, used to do all the stuff would, which wasn't necessary until um, Conrad would uh, return. Why did why did Germans only have five names? Can't we can we can we talk about that for a second? Can we? <sighs> I'm not pretty sure why it was this way. Seriously. I think it's. Yeah, part of it is the nobility thing because yes. you know British kings only there's like Charles and <laughs> there's yes. not that many either uh, James and yeah and so this haven't changed a lot through the centuries it's just give me a George still... give me one George so I can you know what like the Archbishop of mine George I'd be like <gasps> Georg what no <laughs> they're all Frederick anyways okay um, no it was a Henry um, but um, Henry yeah, anyways yeah while we were on to start um, the crusade. Off in, to the crusades, yes. Yeah, 1147. Through Bulgaria, 20, over the thousand. Byzantine Empire. Yeah, started with yeah. 20,000. That's important. That's right. They crossed Hungary. They went through Byzantine. They arrived at Constantinople to say mm-hmm. hello uh, to... Hi, brother-in-law. Yep. Yeah. 1147. Yeah. It took them a year from... Regensburg uh, to right. Constantinople. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first thing was, of course, he met the emperor and agreed, like, yes, let's have a war with the uh, Seljuk Turks. So the Seljuk Turks in general, it doesn't really matter if you look at Roman Roman history or um, Frankish history or Saxon history or any anytime you have like a heavy, heavy cavalry as your main center, like the Germans, like the Franks, uh, the French, the British... Um, the Normans, okay, the Normans had big, big horses and big, big armored um, everything. So it was like it was like tank warfare in a way. And here's the Seljuk Turks in light leather armor or you know some armor, uh, iron armor, um, lighter helmets and bows and arrows. Um, these like short short bows. And the Turks had this similar fighting style that you could generalize of like many many um like the not persians per se but like this the scythians and the mongols and the huns where they were like horseback archers and and they would feign a retreat and get these heavy moving cavalry going and then come back and and kill everybody kind of thing um and once if the infantry cavalry doesn't matter if the knights or, or infantry fled Europeans were not used to turning around. Once you flee, you flee. You are like I'm going to, all the way back to Paris, okay? You're gone. I'll meet you at the pub. Whereas Turks would, you know, do this organized thing, organized retreat where they'd go back 50 meters and then turn around and or 50 meters, what am I saying? I don't, you know, go back, whatever, and then come back and they all turn around at the same time and attack again. Latin Christians were like all or nothing. So you hold the battlefield and once you retreat, you're, you retreat. And that means people could just cut you down and yeah, death, death, death. So that's what happened. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, the Turks were ready and the Turks, you know, so there was a couple of battles, but in one of them, they were pretty well defended, but, um, or at least all grouped together and the Turks kind of, you know, tricked them, uh, into coming out into the open and then ta-da and, and surprise and feigned a retreat and came back and, and 
killed many, many. Um, in October 1147 at the Battle of uh, Dorileum. Yes. There they you go. Okay. There you were go. Were defeated. 47. So yeah, like just the same year of leaving. <laughs> Ring. No, yeah. um, uh, the same year they visit Constantinople. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just one month okay. after he yeah. visited his brother-in-law, they were defeated in Dorileum, and it was really hard because. Uh, Conrad and the most knights escaped, uh, but most of the food soldiers were killed or uh, captured. Mm -hmm. They're from the 20,000 men and women leaving Germany. There were just 2,000 left. Yeah. Yeah. That's like German slaves and German, you know, that's crazy if you think about it. Here's some yeah. peasant from Regensburg. It's like, oh, I'll go along. It's the convoy from Guatemala through Mexico to Texas. You know, it's like, oh, I'll just go along. And uh, yeah, everybody gets killed. Um, what we're really skipping or what we're not emphasizing is heat, hunger, thirst. Uh, they quickly ran out of water way before, right after leaving Constantinople, they ran out of water. They were starving and dying of thirst. And I think, and I think of, disease, uh, diseases, of course, um, while they were fighting battles. So yeah, that's like, you're not just wearing heavy armor and like 40 degree, you know, like a hundred degree, 40 degree, wherever you're from, uh, weather in the Turkish sun, uh, the Byzantine sun, I guess, still, um, you know, in, in, in European armor, like made for a, a German, a Regensburg climate. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, and you're kind of shitting your pants because you have dysentery and you're very thirsty and you're probably very hungry. And it's, yeah, it sucks. So there you go. <laughs> it really sucks, yeah. yeah. They made it to Nicaea and most of the survivors uh, deserted and uh, try to, to make their way home. Yeah. Of course, Conrad uh, couldn't do this. So he and uh, his, his men joined uh, the French army under mm -hmm. King Louis. Mm -hmm. So, but um, they were going not... towards Edessa. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, to, okay. to free Edessa because Edessa fell uh, and they want to reconquer it. But uh, it was not the best decision Conrad have ever met because he fell uh, seriously ill. I think he uh, got malaria. Mm -hmm. So yep. he was uh, sent uh, to recuperate to Constantinople. After recovering, Conrad sailed to Acker and uh, from then he finally reached Jerusalem. He Then he participated in the siege of Damascus. Oh, he did uh, go with was, it. Okay. But wow, yeah, he, he must... Uh, yeah. they, after that, they, they joined um, mm -hmm. the French yeah. king and his, his army. And that's when Conrad fell really seriously ill at yeah. Ephesus and then was sent back um, to, to Constantinople where... Um, he uh, re recovered yeah. and after his recovery he sailed back to Acre and then to Jerusalem after this it was uh, the siege of Damascus so he probably and after, yeah. he probably yeah. thought he was fine because I because malaria like you get you get sick for like three or four days and then you're fine for a month or a year or whatever and then it you can have another attack so I guess every time he was okay, he was like, oh, back to Jerusalem or back to the Crusades. Yeah. And then, 
But, yeah, um, back to the crusade. Yeah. But then he kept getting, because eventually they killed him. So that's eventually, that's yes. Crazy. But yeah. not uh, yet. Um, he survived the siege yeah. of Damascus. Like four years late. <laughs> like he lived with malaria for four years, kind of. Yes, he attempted uh, to attack Ascalon uh, with his allies, but this did fail as well. And after all these failures and stuff, um, he returned to Germany. And of course, he came home and no one said, hey, King, you did a really amazing job. No, no one did. Because yeah. uh, it was... His uh, his propaganda was like, hey, it was a heathen army. It was, you know, it was non-Christians, but it it, it didn't work. Yeah, people did not like that. Yes, was, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, there were right. stories of starving was, and everything. Uh, the so, heat, yeah. the hunger, yeah. yeah. And, but not, of course, not uh, the Muslims who did this. Um, so um, back home, he had, um, of course, again, some trouble with the wealth. His son died in 1115. His son, Henry, died. So then, yeah, then that's when he started to look at Frederick. And I think he mm -hmm. even had him crowned in Aachen right before he, I mean, it was all like within the last year of his life. Yeah, he died in, uh, died on 4th of March, 1152 in Frankfurt. So then... Duke Frederick of Swabia was chosen. Oh, yeah, damned. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we got it wrong. Frederick. Yeah. Barbarossa is not this is Frederick. Not a, is not a son, but it it's his nephew. His nephew. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. damn okay. it. Sorry, folks. Fair um, enough. Yeah, I kept like, wait. Well, dude, we said a thousand. They're all goddamn named Frederick. It's not our fault. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Anyways. <laughs> I'm so over Fredericks. Jeez. All right. So, um, but yeah. So anyways, next time we'll we'll continue with... Uh, the next king is Frederick Barbarossa, right? Or is it, do we have yes. to deal with his son first? But yeah. So okay. the, his, his yeah. nephew, Barbarossa. Um, because this is what he did on his deathbed. He said, okay, I want this six-year-old nephew, mm -hmm. Frederick, to become the next Roman emperor. Because after all, he was never crowned emperor. Yeah. Conrad himself. So we've begun the Stauffer period. Yeah. So I think we still have, I think it would be kind of cool to just continue talking about the time for a little bit. So first of all, let's set up the high middle ages. We can talk, you know, we have a couple of things written down of like what happened in that, that century, that 12th century where the Stauffers yeah. now rule the Holy Roman Empire. Um, and, and then, a, uh, next time we might, we may, we're going to do whatever the heck we want to do. And that, <laughs> that might be an episode on a East German astronaut, the, the Perhaps. first German in space. He, he, yeah. uh, maybe, you know, that's in the next top two, three, whatever. Uh, we got some Abstücke lined up, um, some more heirloom episodes of, of objects in German history. So, but we'll definitely, we also have the scripts, you know, kind of already hammered out for the next, um, whatever, three, four part miniseries. Uh, Barbarossa will look at in a couple different ways. I also want to, I want to have Sharon Eastall on the show and talk about the Crusades and Germans impact in the Crusades. So all of that is coming. Nothing's changed. Right. I, I said a lot of that last year, but uh, yeah, we'll just, um, you know, we'll, we'll cut the timeline now and then and do some, 
20th century topics and whatever the hell we want to talk about. But we mentioned that Conrad left from Regensburg, from the Stone Bridge. That will also be one of the next couple episodes because that's also where Judith lives in Regensburg. Yes. Um, and besides that, I want to definitely say, definitely, dec- so if you think we haven't done anything in the last year, then that probably means you haven't checked out podcastnick.com because we've actually been pretty busy. And uh, I've been interviewed by a couple other people and we've worked on other shows and all that uh, in English and German. And I tried to link that all from Podcastnik, but there's a whole new um, podcast called Podcastnik. And it's on iTunes, it's hard to find. You have to actually type in Podcastnik Travis or something to, to really find it. Um, but on podcastnik.com, it's front and center. And I interviewed you did. I interviewed all the, the cast of Podcastnik, Pete and Ahmad, our Syrian refugee who translates this show into Arabic. And um, that's all there. And even some local friends here in, in uh, California and the Bay Area. So go have a listen on Podcastnik. And if you want to support the show, you can always do that by leaving a recension. Um, a, you can always do that by leaving a, a review on iTunes. That really, nothing helps us more, to be honest, than um, spreading the word. And one way to do that is by giving a review on iTunes, because then we bump up the charts and people find us easier and all that. Um, and yeah, follow us on Twitter at Germany podcast at meet underscore Judit is Judit at Travis J Dow or at podcast Nick. That's, that's a mouthful, but at Germany podcast will do. And we're on Facebook. We got a podcast Nick page on Facebook. We got a Germany podcast page on Facebook. Stay in touch, stay tuned. And most importantly, maybe please go visit podcastnickshop.com. We have a very talented graphic designer, more talented than myself, for sure, that does our t-shirts and hoodies and and um, all this. Some of them I do myself, actually, but stickers and all that stuff is there. Um, also, like, really good, de- like, our designs and stickers and stuff, it's, it's from a real artist. It's not like, <laughs> I didn't do those, that stuff. Um, so go check out podcastnickshop.com. Um, you, can, you can just throw money at us on Patreon or PayPal or any of that stuff. And um, check out our sponsors on podcastnick.com. Okay. Yes. Anything else? I think we got it. I think we got it. I think it. we got it. Um, just cool. want to say bye for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting with us. Yeah. It's a great motivation to go on and produce a lot of new episodes for that, you. That's true. You've actually done it. Enough people have asked us if we're dead that we decided, oh, we better we better start recording again. We, so yeah. this is really coming from you guys. And thank you very much. Uh, for putting pressure on us and, um, <laughs> yeah, listening. So, danke schön. Danke. Guten Tag, liebe Frau. Es hat mich sehr When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.